0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Securing Bridges podcast. You're about to join Alyssa Miller as she sits down with senior and executive security leaders to share stories of success and failure while working across business teams. It's time to build and secure the bridge to the business. Knowledge is power now more than ever.
1: welcome back to another episode of securing bridges here we go once again it has been wild wild ride two weeks ago now because last week yeah we had to take the week off i was exhausted rsa was a wow it was busy busy place but hey you know we had a great episode 13 with jenny easterly and so it warranted being played twice but we're back. I'm back in Studio Eight, or Alyssa, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just make this stuff up as I go along. I'm really bad at it. Um, but no, so happy to be back with you. Episode 14 of Securing Bridges. So we've, we've been at this a little while. Um, hope you're all loving it as much as I am because I know it has been a blast. And we've had some amazing guests. And once again, this week's no exception. We've got another amazing guest. I'm super excited, especially because she was kind enough to fill in at the last minute. We had a little bit of a scheduling snafu, and I couldn't be more excited or blessed or lucky or fortunate or all the wonderfully amazing things I can say. We've got Larissa Breton here with us. Hey! Hello, Larissa. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you?
2: I am good, but may I say I'm outside of Detroit right now, and it is 100 degrees. It is
1: hotter than homemade CN. Ooh, you guys have like the weather we had yesterday. For it, sure.
2: It was for sure. Rough. Thank you so, so so much for having me on. Your scheduling snafu
1: was my good luck. I'm so great. It worked out great. So I'm I'm not complaining in the least. So, let let's kick it off the way we always do here on Security Bridges. I would love to have you introduce yourself to our audience for those that don't know you and uh just Tell us a little bit about yourself. What it is you do. How you got here. Those kinds of things. Okay. Thank you. Um,
2: all right. So I'm Larissa Breton. Uh, I am a consultant. I own a micro small consultancy, a boutique consultancy um, that is cybersecurity focused. I'm um, come more or less out of the defense community. Um, I pivoted fully into cyber about uh, ten years ago, and. Um, uh, I spent five years being in program management for a pilot DOD program that actually survived the infancy and got into the the big DOD budget. Um, And I'm currently working a little bit more in energy right now and I actually have some kind of current examples hopefully we'll conversate about. (laughs) Um, We'll conversate about in a bit. Um, And you know, it's interesting that you kind of just prompted me to think about something from ten years ago because I think that that's something that might come into what we talk about a little bit later too. Um, so yeah, so I'm in I'm in leadership. I'm sort of on the quiet side of things and the quiet people side of things, um, which is awesome. But I have to before I do anything else, Alyssa, I have to thank you. Um, you have taken a really proactive, um, uh, principled, moral stance. About recent things in our community, you've been you've been using your platform for good, not evil. And I super pers- like I just want to say for myself, but for also for a lot of other people on the quiet side of things, we appreciate it.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's good to know. It's good to know, you know, the the things that uh, I'm I'm trying to advocate for are you know well placed. I guess that the the people that I'm I'm trying to help support are, are feeling it. Um, you know, for those of our listeners that don't know, I, I don't know that we're going to get real deep into it here today. It is kind of current events, but there was a, you know, a situation with a conference over this past weekend in Cleveland, uh, and it it did not go well. They, they made some probably ill advised uh, decisions in the lead up and how they did some things within their conference, um, and I think there were you know a lot of people speaking out against that um you know and and calling out some really uh disappointing behaviors to say the least um my my voice i guess just happens to be a little louder in the the twitter sphere you know i don't know but um but i mean i think some good's coming from it so i appreciate that
2: no i do too and i appreciate that you you know sort of reached into your own resources to make things right for some of the conference attendees um for folks that aren't you know, tuned in on this or whatever, like, you know, the B-sides are smaller conferences. They're very elite, but at the same time, they're a great entry point for people who are younger and newer in the business. Um, And so, you know, like, you know, someone like me, that's been around the track a few times, you know, I've got skin a mile thick. There's not a lot that bothers me anymore because I've lived through, I've fought those fights, I've plowed those rows with my chin. Um, But we want to make sure that we're setting the right frame for folks that are coming into the business and I see no reason why their entry to the business or their experiences should be as tough as mine were or as yours were, Melissa. Yeah.
1: Well, why, that's, why should it be like that? You know. And that's just it. And then I mean, consistent to the theme of the show, you know, trying to build that bridge. B sides events are often the ones that are pointed to as, you know, for people like this should be. This is probably a good first conference to go to because. They're usually smaller, they're community focused, they're community based. If you wanna speak at a conference, they're generally, you know, it's a little easier just because they are more community based and, and mm-hmm. the attendees tend to be, you know, more from the community than, you know, some of the big conferences that draw in, you know, tens of thousands of people from everywhere. And then, you know, makes makes it a little bit higher bar to get in as a speaker. Um, so, you know, I mean, and I think that, that that's probably the, the biggest key that comes out of it is recognizing that, all right, you know, really, if you're going to run a conference like this, you are serving a local community. And indeed, the the Cleveland community, in this case, um, is, is one that's burgeoning and I know trying to to really build and grow. Um, there's a few conferences now in Cleveland. Um And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate that an event like this kind of, you know, as the organizer himself, who has since stepped down mentioned it, it it eroded some trust. And And,
2: And I just think it's really important that you and other people have spoken out and stepped out about it because it helps to rebuild the trust. And it helps to show people that the trust really, even though maybe part of it has been broken or something went wrong, that the community is resilient and the trust exists and we can continue to um, basket weave, you know, the things we need to do to stay together as a community. So again, I just, you know, I thought that was great.
1: Well, I I appreciate it. (laughs) And sunset (laughs) your So. So current events aside, okay. those current events, we I definitely don't want to, I, I figure we might end up landing there a little bit. We'll leave it behind. Okay. I want to hear a little bit more if you're up to it. I'd love to dig in a little bit more to, to what you're doing at Full Circle and you know some of the focus you mentioned, having overcome kind of that, that first barrier into really you know, connecting as a, uh, a vendor, whatnot, for mm-hmm. The DOD. I mean, that that that's a tough nut to crack, right there.
2: There are a lot of gates to and wickets to get through, barriers to entry, um, and and I think this all goes to like kind of a, a thing I want to build up during our conversation about building trust and building community and building relationships. Um, it and and I sort of wanted to sort of kick off with something. Um, I promised you and Sean I would try not to make dirty jokes. I will try. Oh, we love dirty jokes. Come okay, on. all right, all right. Um, but but I thought about it, and I thought, you know, um, can we can we start off by talking about *Kinky Boots*? I love that show. No, yes. not the, well, the show, but actually, like the boots, kinky boots. Oh, like, okay. I, kinky yes, boot. please. I have a few pair. Um. <laughs> Me too. I know you do. And so I thought, let's like talk about that for a second, because like I've seen, you know, you've posted some like outrageously awesome boots on your Twitter feed. And the other night I was literally like the night before we got in touch about this opportunity. I actually thought about you because I was looking at Zulily.com and they had this, <laughs> they had these Sorel boots that were just off the chain. And I was like, oh, my God, I should text her a picture of these. And I was like, no, don't do it. But, um, you know, that's something that you and I both like, right? And I know that about you. Um, and I thought that this might be an interesting way to get into sort of a conversation about something that I think is integral and critical to building bridges with the business, Um to building bridges between the, you know, the tech folks in the business or the business and other parts of the business or GRC and the, and the money-making part of the business. Right. Um, Cause typically in GRC, we get viewed as like the, 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 department of no. <laughs> hey, welcome aboard. I'm you know? yeah, on the no train. We're going nowhere with nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So um, if, 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 If our jobs was the club, Alyssa, we would be like the nine foot bouncer, not letting anyone into the club.
1: (laughs) And that's how we get perceived, right? I mean, that's happened. It's it's no secret. I mean, I remember back my developer days, I always made the joke that like the information security utopia would be an impenetrable room of servers with zero connections to anything on the outside world. Like (laughs) completely secure. Right. And completely useless, right? And that's right. and that's where I, you know, I mean, a lot of those attitudes have come from. So yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think
2: back when we were starting, I don't think we could have. I mean, we, look, look, Okay, in 1997, you know, I had the opportunity to hear Nicholas Negroponte, you know, um, tell us a lot of things about what the future was going to look like at a conference I went to with Wired, and. It turns out that a lot of those things happen, but I always go back to those notes about once a year to see what has happened. And, you know, I don't think one thing that people really thought was common was the way that everything has turned into edge. Yeah. So uh, to your point, exactly. Um, But like, when, so we talked a second about pivoting into, into cybersecurity. So, you know, 10 years ago when I was working more in national security, um, and, you know, people can affirm 10, 15 years ago when you, when we were talking about national security, um, counterterrorism, certain forms of early thoughts about cybersecurity, the big, the big thought there was about relationship building and that it was really, really important to build up peer relationships with other countries, peer relationships with intelligence agencies, peer relationships with um, just about anybody you could build a peer relationship with because there wasn't good interoperability yeah. in in systems or in systems of systems including you know the security community and so what what the security community at the time that the security community and the tip the spear community started to integrate with each other in homeland security is that the thing that we have to do that's the most important thing we can do is talk to each other right um and so when I think about, and I, you know, I started thinking about, you know, the bridges that we build and the things that we have to build and maintain, right? Because you can't just build a bridge, you have to paint it, you have to sand it and support it and make sure that the water underneath isn't like making the pylons go away and stuff, right? Um, Generally important stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just that. Um, so I was really thinking today about, you know, when we talk about kind of talking about relationships and I thought, well, let's start with, with you and me because we know each other and I, you know, I know you're into cool boots. I'm into cool boots. And like, we have a few other things that we have in common. And like, if I needed to call you out of the blue sky, right, I might, I might break the ice with talking about something that we share in common. We're both really, you know, you're both into fitness. um, You know, I've got some fitness goals, which uh, didn't sort of didn't achieve during the pandemic, but that's a whole separate conversation. We've all been on that roller coaster. right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody just said to me, you know, you came out of COVID either a chunk, a hunk or a drunk and
0: <laughs> I, well, came out a
2: I, I came out a chunk. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but so, you know, I can, um, when it comes to relationship building, we all get the beginning of the story, right? We all get, you need to build relationships and okay. How, but really what's equally important is like, how do we maintain those relationships? right? How do we not just build trust, but how do we, what does that really mean? You know, how do we demonstrate trust and exercise trust over time in the business? And I think in a lot of ways, it, it comes to this kind of ability to have not what I would call like small talk, but the ability to talk about non-controversial things or things that you and I have in common, or that we have in common in our community, um, in, in order to, establish a conversation, right? And then, you know, that conversation can continue. And hopefully what I'm building to here, hopefully what what you build to in these relationships is is that you've built up enough trust so that when something's not going right, when something has gone wrong, when something unexpected has occurred, which let's face it is our life and security, (laughs) right? Um, it's a stochastic environment, which kind of sucks some days when you have other plans. But, um, you know, what what you want basically in your relationships is to have kind of like some muscle memory. Yeah. You know, and you want you want to be able to to build that relationship and build trust up so that when the worst occurs, you can kind of rely on the relationship to get you through what are going to be. Um, and I know I'm talking to the choir right here, but what are going to be really challenging conversations about about um, you know existential decision making for your business. Um, well, and in order, was, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, finish finish
1: your thought. No, please, please go ahead. It was just, that, oh, that, I was just. Oh, I was going to say that this, you know, I mean, this is actually a really good point because we, we talk a lot, I think, in the security space, you know, kind of the the front edge of this where we we've gotten past the Department of No, and we're getting better. There's been a lot of talk about empathy, which is, right. you know, kind of being able, able to understand, identify with your audience, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what you highlighted is actually important too. And it goes beyond just the empathetic piece. And it's like, let's actually find the common ground that we have that we can start building from. Exactly. And I think in terms of, you know, in, devs, in DevOps, we talk about the, the concept of shared responsibility, where we make everybody responsible for the same set of goals, which is making sure our software is secure, making sure our software gets delivered efficiently, making sure that it's stable when it hits production. You know, those are the the traditional dev security and operations goals all wrapped into one that all three of us now focus on. And so I think what you've just described is a great way to start building that culture, which is forget about the technical, like, you know, th- those, those operational swim lanes or any of that and drawing that together, but just how are we common in the sense of the business as a whole?
2: Exactly.
1: And, and, and how are we
2: common as human beings too? Cause we're all human, you know, whatever wait, frightening wait, percentage too. of, yeah. You know, whatever frightening percentage of cybersecurity problems that turn out to be human error from, from whatever department. Right. We gotta get through that. Um, but I think you know what you what you just said about you know the the, the, the swim lanes, the engineering, the technical tools and stuff like that. Like Alyssa, like you know, in, in, in my in my space in the business, we talk a lot about resilience, right? And you know, you can think about resilience in like, you know, the sort of tech and engineering stack, you can think about it in BCDR and, and continuity of operations for yeah. And and but then for all of it, you know, for all of it, then there's also this need to have resilience in your relationships so that. Let's say the worst were to occur and, you know, you had a sort of a post 9-11 kind of situation that they had in the financial markets where they had to get the market running the next day and they did it all on like spit and spit and duct tape and personal relationships.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And I think that like in the security business, we can get, um, we can get into our swim lanes and get comfortable there. And I would just like to point out that I I I can't remember who told me this, but I always like to repeat it. Um, They're not, they're not silos. They are cylinders of excellence.
1: Cylinders of excellence. <laughs> That's a new one
2: now. I just, i mean, it's good. Cylinders. <laughs> it's a thing. but you know, we get into our cylinders of excellence. Um, And I think, and I think too, you know, in the technical part of the world that we're in, um, it serves you and you get promoted and rewarded if you have like great focus and you're able to focus in on what you're doing. And maybe you're not all that extrovert and it's okay. You know, and, and I know I'm like a complete anomaly in our business because I'm like a massive extrovert right? For me, this comes naturally. In fact, I function very poorly if isolated from other humans. But for other people where there's discomfort in that, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about like the kinky boots, is everybody has something in common with everybody else, no matter like what it is. And, you know, for... And I'm kind of aiming this remark at anybody who's newer to the business that's watching this podcast because you're very smart and you want to learn from Alyssa Miller, who's amazing and one of the most technically astute people out there.
1: What is going on? My it's cheeks base, are getting
2: bright red here. Face flattery. Flattery. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's true words. And no, so if you're a little bit younger to the business, um, here's the thing it can, it can feel very tough emotionally sometimes to say, well, how do you do that? I know I'm supposed to network, but what does that really mean? You know, I'm supposed to build relationships. Like how I'm in the network operations center 29 hours a day. Right. I think one of the, um, one of the things with that is that like, you know, you have to deal a little bit with that discomfort and it entails actually phone calls. We get very sunk into the slack, we get very sunk into texting each other. And I, I perceive in a in a, a newer generation in our business that there's discomfort with speaking with people. And when I when I pulse on that, the answer that I usually get is, well, you know, what if what if I get thrown a curveball in the conversation? What if something really unexpected happens in the conversation? And yes, Frank Barton, the department of what are you trying to accomplish and how can we make it work for everybody? <laughs> yeah so you know when when the unexpected occurs roll with it we work in security our whole lives are responding to things that are unexpected and so my my thinking there is just let the phone be your friend pick up the phone talk to people get them used to hearing your voice make a joke about it like oh yeah i'm gonna be your i'm gonna be the mosquito buzzing around your ear this week or whatever and and start to build the relationships in any way that you can on a regular basis. And from, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm talking and talking.
1: No, you're fine. This is, I mean, this is, this is good. I mean, this is, we we talk a lot about the human element, but again, we, we seem to talk about the human element in terms of threats. Right, yeah, you hear all that? Oh, you know, your, your your people are your weakest link, your biggest threat. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, maybe there's some truth in that, but the reality is, your your people are also your most powerful tool. Right? I mean, we we can throw technology at these problems. Hell, I I said it in a talk two years ago. Like, you know, we keep creating technological answers to human problems. And yep. I think there, there comes that point where, yes, you want technology to help to try to address those human problems. But a lot of times, you know, the, the solution is the human side of it. Exactly. Uh, Alyssa, that's totally
2: right. I mean, when you say, you know, we want technology that works for the people, not the other way around. I mean, at this point in the game, if that is cannot always be true. But so if we're humans that are all working on the technology together, we need to have some fundamental idea of how we're gonna do that. You know, all of the operational knowledge decisions that happen that probably don't get captured as well as they should, you know, those exist in relationships. Um, And, you know, so, so, I mean, so I would just say to people like, you know, let the unexpected happen in your conversations because something cool could pop up and, Um, you know, build, build your comfort up with those kinds of things in the same way that you would do a workout and build up some muscle. And, you know, like when I think about resilience and building trust, again, I just come to, this is a workout. I might not always want to go to the gym. Like you might not always want to run for three hours straight when you're refereeing, but you do. And at the end of the day, you have improved cardio. And at the end of the day, with making these conversations happen, suddenly you have a cadre of people that you can trust. You don't, you don't always have to like each other, you know, but there are people in my business who I dislike, like intensely, that I would put my life in their hands.
1: Yeah. And I hope well, vice versa. We would hope. And, you know, I so I think related to this, Phil brought up an interesting point here. Um, you know, that, you know, some people, for some people talking on the phone, isn't even the right thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for some people, that's not the right solution. Not everybody communicates, not everybody's, you know, in that same mode. But I think even in that situation, and it's finding with those people, what is the right way to communicate? Exactly. If that's somebody who's not good with hopping on a phone call. Maybe I am is the thing. Maybe it's you know some other uh, you know, more asynchronous conversation point, but I think still we can tie it to the same idea that you're trying part of building that relationship is just being able to understand even how do you effectively communicate. And we can roll that into everything in in security and in business in general. I mean, think about it even at the you know an executive level. Walking and going in front of the board, walking into that room and presenting to them is maybe not something you're the most comfortable with, but it might not be the thing they're most comfortable with either. So figure out how you can connect with them in a way that's meaningful to them and to you. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think back to the boots again. I didn't, I didn't think we were going to turn, you know, thigh boots into the conversation today, but I'm loving it because it's working, you know, it's finding that authenticity. Right. Um, And I think that that's, that's the thing. It it creates a little bit of vulnerability um, because to be authentic, you, you know, you're, you're exposing quite a bit about yourself that maybe you wouldn't traditionally, Mm -hmm. People know me for, you know, you mentioned the boots. People see me tweet about wearing pink sparkly boots on stage at RSA or whatever, or, you know, I've got the the spiky skull boots that I've worn a few times too. I mean, and people recognize that. And those are things that I just, I like wearing that because it's a lot of fun, right? I mean, it's a lot of fun to do it. That's authentically who I am, but now that gives you a way to connect. So when I think about, those communications with people outside my security team is the same thing. Like what is what's making them tick? What is it? You know, what are these board members? If I want to go back to that example, what do they where do they come from? Mm-hmm. What what job do they what's their day job? Because their day job may not be just being on a board. Right? Right. I mean, some of them that is what right. they do. professional board members. But even then they they worked somewhere before they were in a leadership role somewhere, what was it? Right, they're humans. You know, they're, they're humans and, and
2: um, you know, they probably have some really interesting stuff to share. And, um, you know, I sort of, at this point, I sort of practice what I would call like radical honesty. What you see right now is, you know, if, if I were presenting to the executive director at the um, state energy entity I'm consulting with right now, this is the what she'd see and what she'd get. This is what you see and what you get if you work for my company. If you're interning with me, um, you know leadership, peer relationships. This is kind of what you get, and I hope that that is a way to build trust up with everyone around me.
1: So, how does that then play in? I mean, thinking back to again what you're doing within the business, and you're connecting with DOD. I mean, can you speak specifically? And I realize some of that might get into shady areas you can't talk about. So, but um, as far as what you can, I mean, what what are kind of those shared experiences that you find when you're dealing with people in in that space? And does it does it change any? Sure. Um, well, I would just say um,
2: I, I think that. Um, I think that you know, in in a DoD context or any military or, or federal agency context, you know, I think one thing that everyone shares is that we're all a little bit overworked and we don't make as much money as the private sector. Um, so that's one way you know that we can identify with each other right away. Um, you know, but um, but honestly, just the opportunity to connect with people. Um, you know, I've been in front of high leadership where they've said, "How are you today?" and I said, "I'm as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs."
1: I have no idea what that means, but it sounds, <laughs> you know, and, and I,
2: I'm one that was, you know, again, it comes easily for me. So I'm not trying to um, I'm not trying to preach something that, that I think you should be comfortable with just because I said, so, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's my comfort space and others, but like, I'll make jokes, you know, I'll make jokes. Um, I, and I think, you know, one thing that we all share in security is a uh, shared of set up, uh, a shared sense of mission on the defense and energy side of things. We call it a moral, like as a contractor, like we call it a moral obligation. Um, We have a moral obligation that causes me sometimes to um, want to exceed what I've been scoped out to do or to um, maybe, you know, elevate other issues that we say, perhaps we can work on this at some other time, but these are emergent, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but we we all share a sense of duty to securing homeland, securing infrastructure, securing critical infrastructure, um, securing the the power and communications networks that our country depends on. And and I think it's not a matter of appealing to someone's sense of duty, but if you scratch the surface on any of us, it's all there. Everyone has it. And I think um, that's if, even if, you know, even if people don't like each other to the point where they're like, I hate the way you lick stamps. You know, I hate the way you dunk your tea or whatever. They can still agree on that.
1: I mean, I've heard of married couples having those kind of <laughs> conversations. But wow, running into that in the workplace is kind of weird. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, okay. don't we don't we live our work, Alyssa? Yeah. I mean, you know, well, if, you're,
2: if you're working in a sock, don't you spend hundred hours a week there, you know, you do get into these kind of relationships with with people. But I mean, to try oh. to answer your question, I mean, I think, I think you know, we have we have a shared sense of responsibility and a, a, a usually a big appetite for work um, that you know that 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 calls to us and it, and hopefully it it calls to each other. Um, but I I would give an example if you want. Yeah, yeah, um, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so so right now I'm working for a state, a large state um, energy uh, concatenator provider entity. They're subject to the to the NERC requirements, and um, they have been implementing a change management re- regime. They went into it, they planned it, they started implementing it. They know it's not it's going to take more than a year. They knew that there were going to be um, re recoils I guess I want to say you know there would be some resistance there would be some unexpected things would happen and and they are managing it superbly and one of the reasons that they're doing that is that they are insisting that people meet talk to each other um, face to face it as much as they can in our crazy you know remote environment Um, and you know for my part you know I've got a peer and I just said well let's talk every morning You know, let's not kill each other to death with email volleyball. Let's just, every morning you're you're an early bird, I'm an early bird, great. Let's pick up the phone and talk for five minutes. It's not even a stand up, But just to do that builds up with the relationship. Um, And when that happens, you know, from bottom to top, and when people from other departments know each other well enough to be able to pick the phone up or to to IM, when they're responding to something before you have to go into official channels, I think that can be, um, and I'm not advocating going outside of official channels, obviously, you know, but as something becomes emergent, those relationships really, really make a difference.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there, there is something to be said for having that, just that human connection. And I'm, it's like, I'm sitting here hearing this and I, I kind of am thinking in the back of my head, like, like, wow, I, you know, I appreciate this. And yet how do I reconcile this with the fact that there's a lot of people out there right now in different organizations that are pushing return to office with no real, what doesn't feel like any real driver yeah. behind it or you know, logical explanation for it. And personally, I, I think it's, you know, as somebody who's worked remotely for the last 10 years of my career. I mean, I can attest to having built and run very powerful teams that, you know, were all 100% remote, but we did have those moments where you were able to get together and actually like meet each other, right? You had, you know, their offsite meetings somewhere or, you know, you had different events or whatever. And I, you know, for some of my consulting teams, it was, we all went to Black Hat and DEF CON together. Like, okay, right. those were, those were good moments. So, I mean, that, that bonding piece is th- there's a balance there, right? Like I I think that ability to connect with people, um, you know, in, in that real sense and understand that everybody is a human does pay dividends. But I think where we're getting it wrong with these people who are, or these leaders who are like, we got to get people back in the office. It's that interaction. Having people in the office every day doesn't build what you just described. Right. It doesn't, it's,
2: it's like you said, it's neither here nor there. Because you can build a great team anywhere remotely. Um, it's It's not about physical proximity. it's 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 about you know professional professional proximity, I guess I would say more so than the
1: physical. Yeah, well, what, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I think it's even beyond that. it's the personal proximity, right? I mean so and as personal as anyone's willing to get, but one thing I've always done in every team that I've ever led, is, you know, we have weekly team meetings, like I think almost every team does. But, I mean, I remember my very first leadership role, like, those team meetings were scheduled for an hour. Sometimes they'd go two and a half. And it wasn't because, like, you know, we were being rude and running over and everything. It was because we were all having a really good time because for a good portion of the time, we weren't talking about business. We were talking about right. things like tangentially related to something that was going on in the company, maybe, but it was a lot of personal stuff that we were just like. And I don't mean personal, like deep, dark, you know, right, or, right, you know, intimate personal stuff necessarily. But people just talking about different things that were on their mind, and what you what I discovered really early with that was the power that that had in drawing a team together, and it, it's been my focus ever since. That yeah, you know, when you have a team meeting yeah, you want to have a set agenda and you want to come in with the things you're going to talk about because if, you know, you get through that and no one's got anything else to say, all right, you're done. Get the hell out of the room or get off the the (laughs) online meeting or whatever, right? Be respectful of people, right? right. But if you give people the opportunity and they want to just sit and chit-chat about, you know, hey, you know, NVIDIA cards are finally becoming, you know, affordable again because all the crypto bros are selling theirs off or whatever, right? I mean, those were... The types of conversations we'd have too. And it's, it's great. And a lot of times you did find tangentially how it actually, it helped build the, the com not just the, the connection of the team, but yeah, but like the, the camaraderie of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Or feeling like you
2: have something shared in common besides, you know, meeting this business goal or this security event.
1: Yeah. And that, that carries business value, right? I mean, that to me, it's like, okay, you're going to tell me, well, why are you having a two and a half hour meeting? If you're not talking about business, I'm building a powerful team there. You know, mm-hmm. we were all getting to know each other and, you know, through talking about those different things, a lot of us became aware of things we weren't aware of that were going on in the industry. Yeah. You know, I remember, I remember one, there's one that I remember really, really well way back when it, because it happened during that time frame when I was leading that team was, This guy, I don't remember where he was. He worked in, you know, some municipality and he was like the only network guy. He quit and walked out, had all the passwords. And, you know, he was the only one who had access to the network and nobody could get in. And there ended up being this whole big fight about, you know, he would only turn over the passwords, I think, to like the mayor or something. It was really this whole thing. And I remember we talked for weeks about that. And why is that cool? Well, because there were a lot of, ethical questions that were happening there that did actually directly impact our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, wow,
2: that's a great way to get to know your folks. Talk through something terrible happening. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, t- I wanted to um, focus for a second on something you shared about you know, what's going on in the community, mm-hmm. what's going on in other businesses, what's going on with people making moves and being here and being there. Um, One of the most powerful things I learned from being part of a non attributional security community that went on for a number of years was simply to just meet someone new and listen to them. What do you do? And then just to ask one question. How can I help you?
1: There's a magical question.
2: How can I how can I how can I assist you? You know, you know, what can I do for you? And it's not self-serving because I'm not looking for anything in return. But when we talk about, like, getting to know people and, like, our strong networks, like our close team, but also that that edge network that we have, that's really important. Um, to build up trust in that, you know, because usually what they need for help is something like a phone call or an introduction or, hey, would you mind parachuting in on this one issue? Um, but I have seen... Um, Uh, I've seen some actually sort of pernicious national security issues get solved informally because of a strong, you know, a strong trust network. So I think just very openly asking, and this goes back to not always knowing what to expect in a conversation, right? Or from a security event, but like, what, what can I help you with? What are you working on? Um, and, and just be open to whatever comes out of that because it might not mean anything right now. It might not mean anything in two weeks, but in two months when that other thing happens, you know, Alyssa at that point, like you knew about it, you were in on it, you
1: helped or you can help some more or whatever. Um, There's that sense of ownership to it. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, ownership and sponsorship, you kind of all become a part of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, what that fosters in terms of cooperation you know, and, and this is kind of reminding me, you know, I mentioned two weeks ago out at RSA, I had the, the wonderful fortune of sitting down with a, a wonderful colleague and I think I dare say friend, Jen Easterly, um, you know, and she was talking about the mission of what CISA is doing right now in trying to build that partnership between the private sector and the public sector. And I mean, everything you're saying speaks so much to that as well. It's that idea of how do we build that trust? You know, if, if. The public and private sector are having conversations, what better way to, I mean, there's going to be those surprises. Someone's going to, you know, CEO of like Goldman Sachs or something is going to say something that's like, oh shit, we never thought of that. Or, you know, uh, you know, someone in Jen's in or, you know, Eric Goldstein or, you know, Whoever's gonna say something and you know you you've got somebody sitting there from you know maybe national grid or something's like, oh hey, you know what that actually makes a lot of sense and fixes this problem. You know, who knows? But that's where that I think you know that power that you're speaking to comes from. It's those types of things because now you're all in that together.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know what, Alyssa, that just totally reminded me of something else. Um, because I remember you used to be in 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 audio production, right?
1: Yeah. You are kind of show busy
2: and I was in digital advertising. I was in media and, you know, and, and, and I worked in television a tiny little bit and you and I, I remember we were, we were at, remember that fun dinner? Oh God. Yeah. We had Ethiopian in Vegas. Right. Right. Was um, the first time I met you. It was awesome. That was awesome. Um, remember we talked about it like, like you have to be nice to everyone because the kid, you know the kid on your audio video shoot who's carrying the clipboard that day might be the director or the producer on the next shoot yeah and it's not literally the same path in insecurity but it's not dissimilar you know people change jobs people change roles um somebody may own like just like a backwater of a project that suddenly becomes very prominent because of a security event I would hope it would be. I hope. I hope that person feels included. I hope that person person feels respected. I hope that person feels like an integral part of the community, even if their flavor isn't the flavor of the month. You know, you just you just never know. And I think I think it's you know to, to what you just shared. I mean, I think that kind of cross hatching
1: is is just is super super important in relationships and conversations. For sure. And and it, what you just said brings us full circle back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the show. We were talking about this, you know, issue with this B-Sides conference and you know, it's like, you know, we were talking about that in the context of bringing new people in and, and what they can bring to the table that, yeah, we don't want to be scaring people off. We don't want to be doing things that potentially uh, derail people's progress into this industry because you never know, you know, who's going to be the next Whit Diffie or, you know, whoever. I mean, I don't know. Like, sorry. He's fresh in my mind. Uh, from RSA again, two weeks ago, <laughs> Like, but seriously, like who, who, you don't know who that person's going to be. Who's going to have the next great, huge idea that actually makes a massive difference in right. our efforts. And so we really have to be focused on, and that's where that whole idea of diversity and all that comes into play. So mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like we could go on. I God, I, I'm like a broken record. But I swear to God I say this at the end of every show. Like I feel like we could go on forever. But I do every week. Like I love these conversations so much. But we're out of time. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has felt like we were just
2: talking for 30 seconds instead of 45 minutes. And I'm so, so grateful to get the chance to – to chat with you, Alyssa, because it's been a long time. It has been. <laughs> I hope we see each other again soon. I know. I know. If, if business, so I'm outside of Detroit, if business is bringing you to Ann Arbor or Detroit, let me know.
1: I mean, I should have known that I was in Ann Arbor last year, but, uh, oh my gosh. but it was COVID. So I mean, act like it's not now, but, um, but no, so in any effect, wow. Total tangency. This is what happens. But, uh, yeah, I do got to wrap things up, but I really, I can't thank you enough. It, I'm, thank I was you. so excited when you popped up. I was like, yes, this would be perfect when Yay. you kind know, of put the call out. They're like, you know, things have shifted. And as they do, I mean, this is that's the fun of doing a live show. It, it's all unpredictable. You never know. But hopefully all of you out there watching enjoyed. Uh, I hope you enjoy every week. As a reminder, you know, the video recording, if you missed the beginning or whatever, you can tune in on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, those two I know for sure have the recording available right after uh, in a few days. This will be converted to podcast format so you'll be able to listen to it. Um, all the usual suspects, Google, Apple, etc., etc., Spotify, all of them, know all of them. Uh, just check it out on the ITSP website, get connected to us. Uh, check out the last 13 episodes if you've missed them because there have been s- just awesome shows week after week that I've really enjoyed the conversation. So, Larissa, thank you so much. You're awesome. You're awesome. And all of you are awesome. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time here on Securing Bridges. Take care, everybody.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Securing Bridges Podcast with Alyssa Miller. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think,